0: That cuddle drum almost broke my eardrums. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Pastor Eli James, along with Dan from Georgia, and uh, this is uh, Genesis to Revelation. Today, we're going to tackle Exodus chapter 23, and uh, who knows how far we'll get today. But uh, in Exodus chapter 23, uh, Moses begins to talk about the Canaanites. And the eventual invasion of Canaan land by the Israelites. So, we're going to start off with a, uh, a scholarly article about the Canaanites, uh, and because they're a kind of a mysterious people, and they're far-flung people going all the way up into Turkey—that's where the Hittites were—and all the way south into Edom, okay, where of course Esau dwelt, and uh, all points in between, and sometimes uh, further, you know, beyond those points as well. So, I'm going to turn it over to Dan. How are you doing today, Dan? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, you're in good voice too. Have have you been practicing your vocalizing? (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Screaming at the dogs, (laughs) right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, dinner time, right? Okay, so yeah, uh, it's a very interesting article. I just posted the link in the chat room, and so let's go for it.
1: Okay, the Canaanites were people who lived in the land of Canaan, an area which according to ancient texts, may have included parts of modern-day Israel, Palestine, Lebanon, Syria, and Jordan. Much of what scholars know about the Canaanites come from records left by the people they came into contact with. Some of the most detailing surviving records come from the site of Amarna in Egypt and from the Hebrew Bible. Additional information comes from excavations of archaeological sites that the Canaanites are thought to have lived in. Scholars doubt that the Canaanites were ever politically united into a single kingdom. In fact, archaeological excavations indicate that the Canaanites were actually made up of different ethnic groups. During the Late Bronze Age between 1550 and 1200 BC, Canaan was not made up of a single ethnic group, but consisted of a population whose diversity may be hinted at by the great variety of burial customs and cultic structures, wrote Ann Killebrew, an archaeological professor at Penn State University, in her book, *People: Biblical Peoples and Ethnicity, Society okay, so, of Biblical Literature, 2005.
0: Yeah. Okay, so I would say, because the, the research I've done on the Hittites <clears throat> suggests that they originally started out as a um, probably white, probably white tribe, not affiliated with uh, Esau in any way. However, uh, as often happens, it happened with the Ammonites and uh, Moabites, who actually started out as uh, uh, Adamic, uh, Shemitic people. They became so corrupted in their religion that uh, you know, they, the Israelites were banned from uh, interacting with them. Okay, So that's how I feel uh, what happened to the Hittites as well. Um, and So uh, I think it's primarily a religious uh, similarities from one uh, one of these tribes to another, more than anything else. There definitely was not a political unity among them, but nevertheless they were all uh, so paganized with their uh, with their customs that uh, Yahweh decided, well, we have to get rid of these people. Back to you. <clears throat> The earliest
1: undisputed mention of the Canaanites comes from fragments of a letter found at the site of Mari, a city located in modern-day Syria. Dating back about 3,800 years, the letter is addressed to Yasma Adad, a king of Mari, and says that thieves and Canaanites are in a town called Rashuim. Rahusim, the surviving portion of the letter alludes to a conflict or disorder that is taking place in the town. Another early text that talks of the people who lived in Canaan dates back about 3,500 years and was written on a statue of Idrimi, a king who ruled a city named Alauka in modern Turkey. Idrimi says that at one point he was forced to flee to a city in Canaan called Amaya, possibly located in modern-day Lebanon. Idrimi doesn't call the people at Amaya Canaanites, but instead names a variety of different lands that they are from, such as Halab, Nihi, Amai, and Mukish. Idrimi claims that he was able to rally support at Amaya and became king of Alalka.
0: Okay now Halab sounds very much close to Hala <laughs> Hala on Habor, which was <clears throat> in Armenia where uh, of course the 10 lost tribes 10 northern tribes that was their uh, launching point to across the Caucasus mountains okay <clears throat> so they could have been you know of those well most of those tribes up there were white but many of them were very pagan <laughs> right and the same thing goes for the Assyrians they started out good they were Shemites but later became a, a very a terroristic bunch uh, under their empire. So, so it's quite possible that many of these so-called Canaanites actually started out as white tribes and then degenerated terribly. Back to you.
1: <clears throat> However, this doesn't mean that the different people in Canaan were not always grouped together. Administrative text found at Alalka and another city named Ugarit, located in modern-day Syria, show that the designation, the land of Canaan, was employed to specify the identity of an individual or group of individuals in the same way that others were defined by their city or land of origin, wrote Brendan Binns, a professor at William Jewell College in Missouri, in his book, The Land Before the Kingdom of Israel. For instance, a male from a city in Canaan who was living at al or Ugarit could be identified in records as being a man of Canaan or being a son of Canaan, wrote Benz. A batch of text that mentions Canaan comes from the site of Amarna in Egypt. Amarna was constructed as the capital of Egypt by the pharaoh Akhenaten, a ruler who tried to focus Egypt's polytheistic religion around the worship of the Aten, the sun disk. The test, The text consists of diplomatic correspondence between Akhenaten and various rulers in the Middle East. Modern-day scholars often call these texts the Amarna letters. The letters show that there were several kings in Canaan. A diplomatic passport written by Tasrada, a king of Mitanni, a kingdom located in northern Syria, tells the kings of the land of Canaan to let his messenger Achaia, passed through safely to Egypt, and warns the kings of Canaan that no one is to detain him. The letters also show that Egypt held considerable power over these Canaanite kings. One letter written by a king of Babylon named Boreas complains about the killing of Babylonian merchants in Canaan and reminds Egypt's Pharaoh that the land of Canaan is your land and its kings are your servants. Translation from Brendan Benz's book, The Land Before the Kingdom of Israel.
0: Now, of course, Canaan was a son of uh, Mitzrayim, (laughs) okay, Uh, of uh, of Ham, okay? So there would have been an affiliation between the Egyptians, the Hamites, and the Canaanites just from that fact alone. However, uh, the Canaanites... Uh, they, their culture went in a completely different direction. Uh, I guess you could some no one I don't think anybody's ever done a study of Egyptian religion versus Canaanite religion. Uh, I think the Egyptian religion was a bit more sophisticated, goes back further. Uh, and as this guy was talking about, it, um, it's more sun worship whereas the Canaanites worshipped anything and anything, (laughs) okay? So, uh, yeah, so it's a polyglot. The Canaanites were a polyglot religion, but uh, they basically worshipped what we would call the spirit gods uh, of the local territories, okay? And uh, so this is probably the only thing really that united them. Back to you. The letters
1: also show that Egypt held considerable power over these Canaanite kings, one letter written by a king of Babylon named Beryas complains about the killing of Babylonian merchants in Canaan and reminds – oh, I've already done this. Yeah. Uh, last uh, paragraph, Egyptian texts also show that Egypt, Egypt's pharaohs sent military expeditions into Canaan. A steel erected by pharaoh named Merneptah between 1213 and 1203 B.C. claimed that Canaan has been plundered into every sort of woe. The same steel content also claims that Merneptah laid waste
0: to Israel. Okay, so, uh, uh, th- that's obviously a false statement, right? The, the Egyptian kings were uh, braggarts, <laughs> you know, in their, yeah. in, in their steelies, right? And uh, so, uh, it's common for every other culture except Hebrew culture, where, uh, we, we, uh, our God prevented us from bragging, <laughs> right? And, and he, I think. I think this is true uh, of all religions, although possibly, no, I don't want to make an exception even of American Indians, that uh, our God is the only God who disciplines us on a regular basis, <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. There's no other God a- a known anywhere that does that to his own people or its own people, okay? So so let's get into uh, Exodus chapter 23, and, and we come, find we come across the Canaanites toward the end of chapter twenty-three. Back to you.
1: Okay, Exodus chapter twenty-three. Thou shalt not raise a false report. Put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness.
0: Okay, don't tell lies. Don't, tell <laughs> don't, lies. don't make false statements. Oh man, I wish people would do that.
1: <laughs> Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment.
0: Oh, don't join Antifa. Mm-mm. The mob. Don't neither, join the mob.
1: Neither shalt thou countenance a poor man in his cause.
0: Okay, hold on. What was countenance here? Hadar, yeah. to swell up uh, by implication, favor or honor. Be high. okay. Probably I would say, don't don't manipulate. Don't manipulate a poor man in his cause, okay?
1: If thou meet thine enemy's ox or his ass going astray, thou shalt surely bring it back to him again.
0: Do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you know who it belongs to, at least tell him about it, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay.
1: If thou see the ass of him that hateth thee lying under his burden and wouldest forbear to help him, Thou shalt surely help with him.
0: Okay, that might overcome whatever feud that's going on between the two families, right? Yeah. Okay.
1: Thou shalt shalt not rest the judgment of thy poor in his cause. Keep thee far from a false matter, and the innocent and righteous slay thou not, for I will not justify the wicked.
0: Okay. Unfortunately, the vast majority of Israelite kings have actually done this, right, and have... uh, uh, hired mercenaries of other countries, including Edomites. Solomon hired Edomites to kill Israelites.
1: Yeah, we're not supposed to make yeah. covenants with those other, other That's
0: nations. That's right, like yeah.
1: That. <clears throat> and thou shalt take no gift, or a bribe really is what it's yeah, talking
0: about. Yeah, right. For the
1: gift blindeth the wise and perverteth the words of the righteous. Yeah,
0: it's interesting. The word gift in German, it means poison. Okay, and bribes are poison, aren't they? (laughs) Yes, they are. Okay, right.
1: Also, thou shalt not oppress a stranger, for ye know the heart of a stranger, seeing you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I wonder what this word
0: stranger is. uh, Okay, a stranger, that's Gare. Gare. Okay. So one of of our own. Yeah, one of our own race, yeah.
1: Yeah. Verse 10. And six years thou shalt sow the land and shalt gather in the fruits thereof. But the seventh year thou shalt let it rest and lie still, that the poor of thy people may eat, and what they leave what they leave the beasts of the field shall eat. In like manner thou shalt deal with thy vineyard and with thy olive yard.
0: Okay, so the poor the, could always glean from the fields of the harvest that was not taken, right? So that uh, no one would starve. And, of course, we're supposed to be generous, as uh, these uh, verses above here say. We're supposed to be kind to the poor people of the, of the land and uh, at least make sure that they're capable of surviving. You know, maybe they'll recover and you know, get some land of their own, etc., etc. But we're not supposed to oppress the poor. And uh, I don't think there's any culture in the world <laughs> that, that, that follows this law. The poor people are always oppressed no matter what country you're in okay the poor people mm-hmm. are always oppressed except christian countries okay so where we, where we have welfare <laughs> and give welfare to non to non israelites and non non as well of course th- th- this is forbidden by yahweh's law as well now now interestingly here <clears throat> It says, and six years shalt thou sow they land." It doesn't specify the start, the starting year. It doesn't say that the the first day is a, a Sunday or a Saturday or a Tuesday or a Thursday. It doesn't say anything like that. It just says six years. Now, uh, since the Israelites were a unified body of people under Moses, they all practiced this uh, consistently. Okay, so whatever day they picked, and of course... We here at Eurofolk Radio teach the uh, solar calendar, so that the first Sabbath of the year begin the first full day after the spring equinox. And uh, there's there's no evidence in Scripture that uh, it's Saturday, Sunday, or any other particular day. Okay, that just is non-existent in Scripture. Uh, but uh, regarding sowing the land, uh, there is a guy by the name of Gary Blackwell who uh, held festivals in. Uh, uh, CI festivals in Michigan and I asked him well because he's a farmer well have you ever practiced this uh <clears throat> letting the, the land lie fallow every seventh year and uh did you have a much bount, more bountiful harvest the next year and he said yes okay so whether or not this would uh, permit you to just section off <clears throat> areas of your land and let one area lie fallow as opposed to another uh, I forgot to ask them. It didn't uh, occur to me to ask him whether he did that. But my impression was that he allowed his entire farm to lie fallow, lie fallow uh, every seventh year. And he said, yes, he got a bountiful harb- harvest the next year. Back to you. So it really does work. It does work. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> Verse 12. Six days thou shalt do thy work, and on the seventh day thou shalt rest, that thine ox or thine ass may rest and the son of thy handmaid and the stranger may be refreshed. And in all things that I have said unto you, be circumspect, and make no mention of the name of other gods, neither let it be heard out of thy mouth.
0: Okay, this would differentiate them from the Canaanites. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. We have more feasts than that, right?
0: Right, well, I mean, the ones that you're uh, commanded to attend, to gather together, okay? Uh, some of the feasts, well, like the uh, Feast of Atonement, you, you don't have to go anywhere. You just stay home and fast. Okay, oh, okay. so yeah.
1: it's referring to feasts where we all we meet up with
0: Right, with exactly. Others. Okay. Now, can we, can we do that on the Internet? <laughs> <All right. laughs> maybe, maybe we can. <laughs> well, all right, yeah. but uh, fellowship is very important. And uh, to, to meet your accuser face to face at a feast is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Right, then just a, rather than a name without a face, right? So yeah, we are a, a living, breathing community, are we not? At least I hope so.
1: <clears throat> Verse 15 Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread, thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days, as I commanded thee. In the time appointed of the month Abib, for in it thou camest out from Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty.
0: Okay, always bring some, bring, bring something to uh, devote, you know, for your friends uh, at the feast, and to devote to Yahweh.
1: And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering which is in the end of the year when mm-hmm. thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field
0: again here's the first fruits okay the uh, which Cain refused to give Yahweh back in Genesis chapter 3 or maybe it was 4 i forget which chapter anyway you're you're give, not your, sab- best. give your best the best is reserved for Yahweh and uh, cuz he is our savior lord and king back to you
1: uh, verse 17 Three times in the year, all thy mail shall appear before Yahweh God. Thou shalt not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread. Neither shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until the morning. The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of Yahweh thy God. Thou shalt not seed a kid in his mother's milk.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, this first. is not the same thing as having a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, which the Jews forbid. It's, it's a you shouldn't uh, boil the uh, boil the uh, flesh of a lamb in its mother's milk. Now uh, there might be some kind of um, uh, you know health restriction there. I don't know, but uh, you know, if, if Yahweh says don't do it, we don't do it.
1: Verse twenty: Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way. And to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions. Mm. For my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. For my angel shall go before thee and bring thee in unto the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, mm-hmm. and I will cut them off.
0: All right. Okay, so if we obey his laws, he will dispense with our enemies.
1: He will do the fighting for
0: us. Yeah, yeah. right. But I know so many Israelites who get really mad, <laughs> and often rightfully so, you know, against anybody, anything, uh, we're supposed to restrain ourselves and yet and let Yahweh do the fighting for us. All we have to do is obey His laws, okay? Mm-hmm. And He will take care of our enemies. But uh, you know, our egos get in the way, and we want personal vengeance, right? So we, we, that's a that's a feeling or an attitude we really have to overcome.
1: I've always said the best way everybody wants to beat the Jews. The best <laughs> way is to follow. Yahweh's laws and be the best person you can be right that's how you do it yeah you're not going to build up an army and and I don't care how good you are with a gun and how good you are at survival in the wilderness you're not gonna you're not mm-hmm. gonna beat beat these people if you don't
0: follow Yahweh's that's laws. right you won't be considered one of his people and he will not protect you because you're really not one of his people if you don't obey his laws okay mm-hmm. that's the bottom line okay so but nevertheless we you know for example the feud between the uh, Hatfields and the McCoys okay that's where things get really personal and uh you know uh, tempers flare and people get shot and all we're not supposed to get, get into stuff like that you know uh you know, the vast majority of christians white christians have always been very peaceable people in that sense and have not uh, been uh, aggressive toward uh, other people for no reason, okay? But it does occasionally happen. Uh, And in these days, with drugs, with so many of our people being addicted to drugs, who knows what they're going to do, all right? So those types of people, uh, again, if you follow Yahweh's laws, well, you won't be... um, well, what's the word? Uh, not malingering. Uh, you won't be associating with those people. And if you do, it, it's only in terms of helping them uh, with the condition that they ultimately start uh, obeying Yahweh's laws. Okay, So yeah, we're supposed to be kind and generous to one another, but not to drug addicts. <laughs> right? <laughs> you, have be, you have to be really careful with that one.
1: Well, you're enabling it.
0: That's right. Yeah. You have to be sure you're not enabling it and become a victim uh, manipulated by them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Because they will lie.
0: Oh, man. And they will manipulate. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Amen. Verse 24.
1: Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them. And quite break down their images.
0: Mm hmm. Okay. So we are not to bow down to their gods. All right. So, very clearly, our God is Yahweh. They have a multitude of gods that they, they worship. And as we found out, uh, I think it was in 2 Kings, their gods typically are gods of the land, the spirits that they believe um, inhabit the land. And so they worship those spirits, okay? In m- many cases, mer- very much like the American Indian uh, religion, those are spirits of the wind, the the sun, the moon, you know, you name it. Uh, anything that can be uh, uh, divinated, <laughs> right? Deified, that's the word I want. Anything that can be deified will be deified. And, you know, because they pray you know, for more rain or they pray for less rain, et cetera, et cetera. And so the, their their relationship to the world is through the nature's natural forces, uh, deifying the natural forces. And we are not supposed to do that, folks. Okay. All right. So th- this and, differentiates us from the rest of the world very, very plainly.
1: Yeah, and and you know something else you can put. A God can be anything that you put before Yahweh, I and mean, it can be like uh, your job or your or money or your house or, you know, whatever that you put before him.
0: Or, or Britney Spears.
1: Or Britney Spears. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Here, I have an altar or uh, what do you call it, a pedestal <laughs> for yeah. you to stand on. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Star anybody. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's why they call them stars. (laughs) Right. Worshipping stars. All right.
1: All right. Verse 25. And you shall serve Yahweh your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Hmm. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill.
0: Now, verse 25 is very interesting. So what if the food that is set before, and you have nothing else but GMO, wheat, to purchase, okay? Uh, Will he cleanse the uh, food of GMO, or will he make it so that it's neutralized, so it doesn't affect you? you That's quite possible, okay? Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, I, I wouldn't go around buying GMO if I could avoid it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Verse 27.
1: I will send my fear before thee and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before Mm -hmm.
0: thee. Oh, I forgot about invoking hornets. (laughs) I I need to try that the next time I'm in enemy territory.
1: (laughs) I will, not drive out, uh, I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against thee. By little and little I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. Mm-hmm. And I will set thy bounds from the Red Sea even unto the sea of the Philistines and from the desert unto the river. Mm-hmm. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and thou shalt drive them out before thee. Thou okay. shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. Amen. They, sh- they shall not dwell in thy land, lest they make thee sin against me. For if thou serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee.
0: Now, this is interesting. The beast of the field. Now, the context is uh, a cultivated area because that they these Canaanites were cultivating the land. Okay. So, beast is che, and field is sade, the same two words we encounter way back in Genesis chapter 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Genesis chapter 1 talks about beast of the earth, che of the, of the land, but field, according to my studies in other, uh, it does mention field here, ground, land, soil, uh, country also, but a, a detailed study of the Hebrew word sade means a cultivated field often fenced off to prevent beasts of the earth, such as cattle, from trampling down whatever you have sown, okay? So this is clearly telling us that these beasts of the field are two-legged beasts who cultivate field. That's right. It can include the the uh, non-bipeds as well. But it's clearly, you know, the the last thing a farmer wants is a wild animals trampling down their crops. Okay, that's why we build fences around our crops, so and keep uh, wild animals out. But you, know, you can't can't always do that. But the the context here is they have. Um, cultivated the land, and rather than allow everything to go desolate, uh, it, Yahweh instructs them to take over it little by little and take over the cropland, basically. Because it's ready for the Israelites to take it over so they don't have to start from scratch.
1: Basically give, giving them the land.
0: That's right, yeah. yeah.
1: If okay. they obey him.
0: If they obey him, right. Okay. Uh-huh. But uh, the, the, here, did you read verse 33?
1: I think I did, didn't I? Okay,
0: uh, read it again. Very important. Okay.
1: They shall not dwell in thy land, lest they make thee sin against me. For if thou serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee. They're not supposed to live among us. That's
0: right. Uh, we we're supposed to hold them in tribute. Uh, we have our territory. They have their territory. They're not supposed to live among us. Okay.
1: And look who lives among us today. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: Okay, I mean, very clearly stated here, Exodus. I got to make a note of this for my speech. <laughs> Exodus twenty-three thirty-three. They shall not dwell in thy land. All right. So, so therefore, because we uh, the last time two weeks ago we talked about this, we uh, emphasized slavery. So if they're not supposed to dwell among us. Can we have non-Israelite slaves? No. No. I would say no. Yeah, I would say no as well. Okay. Chapter 24, please. Chapter 24
1: of Exodus, verse 1, And he said unto Moses, Come up unto Yahweh, thou, and Aaron, and Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. And Moses alone shall come near Yahweh, but they shall not come near neither shall the people go up with him. And Moses came and told the people all the words of Yahweh and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which Yahweh has said we will do. We'll see how long that lasts. (laughs) And Moses wrote all the words of Yahweh and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto Yahweh. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read it in the audience of the people. And they said, all that Yahweh has said, will we do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood And sprinkled it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant, which made which Yahweh has made with you, according concerning all these words. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone and as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness and upon the nobles of the children of Israel he laid not his hand
0: okay. also
1: they saw god and did eat
0: and drink okay so exodus 24:10 is another example of uh, what cruden's concordance says that when uh, these words were these uh, verses were translated even by the king james translation committee the word its was not yet in common usage it, it, sure, it surely should be, and as it were, the body of heaven in its clearness, not his, because the body of heaven is not a male or a female; it's it's a thing, right? So it should be, and that's why uh, it's also italicized. Uh, it shouldn't there shouldn't even be a pronoun there, okay? It, should, it could simply read, and as it were, the body of heaven in clearness. That would make perfect sense. Why bother adding a pronoun there? Okay, back to you.
1: I wonder why the translators did add that.
0: Yeah, word. I don't know. It's a very good question, uh, but uh, nevertheless, the uh, word "its." If you're going to have uh, have a pronoun there, it should be "its," not "his." Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, his doesn't make any sense at all. Right.
0: Yeah. It's it's not a male creature. <laughs> it's the body of heaven, yeah. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Verse
1: twelve. And Yahweh said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount, and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone, and a law, and commandments which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. And Moses rose up, and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of God. And he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us, until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. And if any man had any matters to do, let him come unto them. And Moses went up unto the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. And the glory of Yahweh abode upon Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of Yahweh was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel." And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. A
1: type of, of Christ.
0: Right. Yeah, because uh, Yahshua went, went into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. and But yep. Yahshua was accosted by Satan. Mm-hmm. Right? Very interesting. Tempted. Tempted. Yep. Yeah, right. Okay, well, I, I guess we could say Moses was tempted out of his old self into his new yeah. self, right? Okay.
1: I guess A we're diff- all tempted every day, aren't we?
0: Right, yeah, to do, to, to do right or wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: All right, um, chapter 25. And Yahweh spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly, with his heart you shall take my offering.
0: Okay, very important uh, because we're going into uh, the uh, free will aspect of uh, Israel. And uh, and every creature, uh, two-legged creature, has some level of free will where they can choose to do right or wrong, okay? And uh, so, so there are people within identity who claim that we don't have free will, and uh, say that Yahweh actually directs every moment. It's just kind of like uh, determinism, uh, you know, scientific determinism, where the, the many scientists claim, well, uh, natural law, there is no such thing as free will. There's only natural law, and you're basically doing what natural law dictates that you do. And so there is an argument, but here clearly it shows that uh, Yahweh wants us to do things of our own accord. He does not dictate our behavior. He, he judges us, but he does not dictate our behavior. This is a, a perfect example of that truth. Back to you.
1: Well, we wouldn't, he wouldn't know if uh, we really loved him or not, if, if it was all just pre-directed. Right. I mean.
0: Yeah, and, and also, if that's true, if Yahweh, because one of the arguments is, that uh, well, Yahweh hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Okay, well, that, that 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 doesn't mean that he directed every thought or move that Pharaoh made. Just in this instance, he hardened the heart of Yahweh so to speed up the process of getting the Israelites out of Cana, out uh, sorry, out of Egypt. Okay because timing is everything, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And not that uh, Pharaoh wasn't worthy of judgment already. He sure, sure was, okay? But he hardened Pharaoh's heart to speed up the process of the Israelites leaving Egypt. Now, this does not mean that he intervened on behalf of Israel every single moment of the day, or that he dictated to Pharaoh every move that he made. That's a a false, that's jumping to a conclusion based on one incident. Back to you. Mm
1: -hmm. I think it's just rare cases that he will intervene. That doesn't prove that he does it all the time.
0: Exactly. Oh, yeah. And then uh, in addition to that, a major problem with that theory, if indeed Yahweh does everything for us, then who sins? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right? There's
1: no such thing as sin because we're not doing it of our
0: own accord. It's his fault. Don't blame yeah. me. Blame him. Okay? <laughs> so that's an extremely bad flaw in that in that logic. Back to you.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, Exodus chapter 25, verse 2. Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take of them, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red, and badger skins, and shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil, and for sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod, and in the breastplate. And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them, according to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle, and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. Verse 10. And they shall make an ark of Shittim wood, two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Within and without shalt thou overlay it, and shall make upon it a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it, and put them in the four corners thereof. And two rings shall be in the one side of it, and two rings in the other side of it. And thou shalt make staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put the staves into the rings by the sides of the ark, that the ark may be borne with them. The staves shall be in the rings of the ark, they shall not be taken from it. And And thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which I shall give thee and thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and the cubit and a half the breadth thereof.
0: Okay, <clears throat> uh, mercy seat, that's an expression that was invented by Martin Luther. It simply means lid. <laughs> All right, K- Kaporath. Kaporath means lid. But because of its uh, extreme importance in having the blood sprinkled upon it, uh, uh, Martin Luther invented this terminology, mercy seat, but in reality, it simply means lid.
1: Verse eighteen, and thou shalt make two cherubims of gold. Of beaten work shalt thou make them, in the two ends of the mercy seat, and make one cherub on the one end, and the other cherub on the other end. Even at the mercy seat shall ye make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. Mm-hmm. And the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And their faces shall look one to another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. And they shall put the mercy seat above upon the ark. And in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony, of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Amen. Amen verse 23 Thou shalt also make a table of Shittim wood Two cubits shall be the length thereof And a cubit the breadth thereof And a cubit and a half the height thereof
0: Okay, by the and way, Shittim is the acacia tree That's what uh, the definition here says The acacia from its scourging thorns Maybe that was the uh, uh, the, the tree from which the thorns <laughs> the, the crown of thorns could have been from the same tree what
1: like
0: tri- do you, how do you spell that? How do you, Acacia? How's Uh oh. Okay. <laughs> the C I A is in there. The Thorns, oh, there yeah. you go. <laughs> Acacia. Yeah. Okay.
1: Verse twenty-four. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, and make thereto a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt make it and thou shalt make unto it a border of a hand. Round about, and thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about, and thou shalt make it for, and they shall make it four rings of gold, and put the rings in the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. Over against the border shall the rings be for places of the staves to bear the table, and thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold, that the table may be borne with them. And thou shalt make the dishes thereof and spoons thereof, and covers thereof, and bowls thereof, to cover withal. Of pure gold shalt thou make them.
0: Now, why pure gold?
1: I don't know why.
0: It does not tarnish. Gold does not tarnish. Oh, okay. Very interesting. Yeah, I guess even if you sprinkle blood on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all a right. good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It is a good thing. <laughs>
1: yeah. Verse 30, and thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me always.
0: Verse
1: 31, and thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shall the candlestick be made. His shaft and his branches, his bowls, his knots, and his flowers shall be of the same. And six branches shall come out of the sides of it. Three branches of the candlestick out of the one side. And three branches of the candlestick out of the other side. Three bowls made like unto almonds, with a knot and a flower in one branch, and three bowls made like almonds in the other branch, with a knot and a flower, so in the six branches that come out of the candlestick. And in the candlestick shall be four bowls made like unto almonds, with their knots and their flowers. And there shall be a knot under two branches of the same and a knob under two branches of the same, and okay. a knop under two branches of the same, according to the six branches that proceed out of the candlestick.
0: Okay, so a knop is kind of an architectural detail, you know, that uh, where, I, I guess where the candlestick is placed into, it's basically a decorative feature. Okay. Knop. Okay, versus- K, K, K-N-O-P, for those people who never heard this expression before. Verse
1: 36, their knops and their branches shall be of the same, and it shall be one beaten work of pure gold. Mm, Okay, that takes artistry to make it all one piece. Mm -hmm. And thou shalt make the seven lamps thereof, and they shall light the lamps thereof, that they may give light over against it. And the tongs thereof, and the snuff dishes thereof. Snuff dishes?
0: (laughs) Snuff dishes? (laughs) What is that? <laughs> well, snuff, right? Uh, removal plan, alive, oh, okay, it's more like um, oh, the pan that you remove the cinders from, okay, a uh, sensor, fire pan. Uh, I've never heard this expression snuff dish before, even though we did this read th- through these things you know many years ago, uh, I don't remember this term snuff dish. But it, it yeah. means, yeah, it means the, the cinder pot or pan that uh, yeah. you clear the cinders out of a, a stove with. Okay.
1: It says um, a pan for, the uh, strong says a pan for
0: live coals, yeah. right. or
1: fire pan, snuff dish. Okay.
0: Yeah. So uh, you're supposed to snuff it, folks. <laughs> 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 like tobacco. <laughs> yeah. All right.
1: Of a talent of pure gold shall he make it with all those vessels. And look, that thou make them after their pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. Okay. And that concludes chapter 25.
0: Okay, we have ten minutes left. Uh, we should be able to do part of chapter 6, if not the whole thing.
1: It's 26, yeah.
0: Chapter, okay.
1: Moreover, thou shalt make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twine linen, and blue and purple and scarlet. With cherubims of cunning work shalt thou make them. The length of one curtain shall be eight and twenty cubits, and the breadth of one curtain four cubits, and every one of the curtains shall have one measure. The five curtains shall be coupled together one to another, and other five curtains shall be coupled one to another. And thou shalt make loops of blue upon the edge of the one curtain from the selvage in the coupling and likewise shalt thou make in the uttermost edge of another curtain in the coupling of the second. Fifty loops shalt thou make in the one curtain, and fifty loops shalt thou make in the edge of the curtain that is in the coupling of the second, that the loops may take hold one of another. And thou shalt make fifty tashes of gold, and couple the curtains together with the tashes, and it shall be one tabernacle.
0: Look, tash tash is a pin or a knob, okay, is that, seven. So, Yeah. To, to hang the curtains out, I guess, all right.
1: Verse 7, and thou shalt make curtains of goat's hair to be a covering upon the tabernacle. Eleven curtains shalt thou make. The length of one curtain shall be thirty cubits, and the breadth of one curtain four cubits, and the eleven curtains shall all be of one measure. And thou shalt couple five curtains by themselves and six curtains by themselves, and shalt double the sixth curtain in the forefront of the tabernacle. And thou shalt make 50 loops on the edge of the one curtain that is outmost, that, that is outmost in the coupling, and 50 loops in the edge of the curtain which coupleth hmm. the second. I hope these they can understand these directions better than I can. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Well, it's interesting that goat hair should be, but the word hair is in italics, which means that the translators added it. It could be goat hides, too. Okay. Apparently, mm-hmm. all of this is to prevent the uh, shining of Yahweh, the radiation of Yahweh from uh, affecting the people standing outside the tabernacle. Only the high priest himself could enter, when uh, once once a year only, uh, to actually be in the presence, the uh, you know, Shekinah glory of Yahweh. Okay, so apparently this is to all to protect people from uh, you know, the, the brightness of Yahweh. Back to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Verse eleven, and
1: thou shalt make fifty tashes of brass, and put the tashes into the loops, and couple the tent together that it may be one. And the remnant that remaineth of the curtains of the tent, the half curtain that remaineth, shall hang over the back side of the tabernacle. And a cubit on the one side, and a cubit on the other side of that which remaineth in the length of the curtains of the tent, it shall hang over the sides of the tabernacle on this side, and on that side,
0: to cover it. Okay, so there's a lot of covering on this tent.
1: And thou shalt make a covering for the tent of ram skins dyed red and a covering of badger skins.
0: Wow, badger skins. Okay.
1: And thou shalt make boards for the tabernacle of Shittim wood standing up. Ten cubits shall be the length of a board and a cubit and a half shall be the breadth of one board. Two tenons shall there be in one board set in order one against another. Thus shalt thou make for all the boards of the tabernacle. And thou shalt make the boards for the tabernacle, twenty boards on the south side southward. And thou shalt make forty sockets of silver under the twenty boards, two sockets under one board for his two tenons, and two sockets under another board for his two tenons. And for the second side of the tabernacle, on the north side, there shall be 20 boards.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, I think tenon is uh, uh, probably a hole, or uh, it means direction, uh, used as a noun in a great variety of applications. I think we're talking about here uh, pegs and holes, that uh, these things should be fastened together with pegs and holes, okay? That type of construction was very common in the ancient world. Verse 21,
1: and there are 40 sockets of silver, two sockets under one board, and two sockets under another board. And for the sides of the tabernacle westward thou shalt make six boards, and two boards shalt thou make for the corners of the tabernacle in the two sides. And they shall be coupled together beneath, and they shall be coupled together above the head of it unto one ring. Thus shall it be for them both. They shall be for the two corners. And they shall be eight boards, and their sockets of silver, sixteen sockets, two sockets under one board, and two sockets under another board. And thou shalt make bars of shittim wood, five for the boards of the one side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards of the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards of the side of the tabernacle for the two sides westward. And the middle bar in the midst of the boards shall reach from end to end. And thou shalt overlay the boards with gold and make their rings of gold for places for the bars. And thou shalt overlay the bars with gold. And thou shall rear up the tabernacle according to the fashion thereof which was showed thee in the mount. And thou shalt make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen of cunning work. With cherubims shall it be made.
0: Now purple was very difficult to obtain. Remember the word Phoenician, or Phoenicia, is, is purple. That's what the word Phoenicia means. That's because the territory, I that. yeah, the territory of Tyre was uh, a I don't know if it was clams or oysters, some sort of uh, you know seashell type animal. It created this purple substance that they turned into a purple dye. Okay. So how would it? How would, they would get their hands on a purple dye out in the wilderness? <laughs> they they might have had to send people to uh, the Mediterranean coast to get some of these oysters or clams or whatever they are. Maybe um oh what is it? Uh, snail, uh, a marine snail. I think that's what it is. And uh, get the dye from these snails. Unless there was another source out in the wilderness, I don't know. But here we have uh, the, the various colors. We have the red, white, and blue, <laughs> which is very common for Israel people all over the world. Uh, all these colors are being named here. Okay. Now uh, the other thing here is the very specific mention of these uh, various skins and uh, and uh, you know, cloth, etc., etc. And uh, Yahweh says we shouldn't wear different types of clothing on our body at the same time. This is not just a haphazard uh, instruction. The fact is, every different type of material has its own electromagnetic signature, okay? And uh, you shouldn't wear, uh, you know, like wool and cotton, I believe. You know, we'll get to those verses uh, in the future. But there's a reason, there's an electromagnetic reason why we shouldn't combine these uh, different types of material on our bodies, okay? uh, It's called the galvanic response, okay, which uh, the molecules of one substance will interact with the molecules of another substance and create uh, a kind of electromagnetic field, which can be unhealthy. Okay, back to you.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Verse
1: verse, uh, 32. And thou shalt hang it upon four pillars of shittim wood overlaid with gold. Their hooks shall be of gold upon the four sockets of silver. And thou shalt hang up the veil under the tashes that thou mayest bring in thither within the veil, the ark of the testimony. And the veil shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy. And thou shalt put the mercy seat upon the Ark of the Testimony in the most holy place. And thou shalt set the table without the veil, and the candlestick over against the table on the side of the tabernacle toward the south. And thou shalt put the table on the north side. And thou shalt make an hanging for the door of the tent, of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen wrought with needlework. And thou shalt make for it the hanging five pillars of Shittim wood, and overlay them with gold. And their hooks shall be of gold, and thou shalt cast five sockets of brass for them. End of chapter 26.
0: Okay. I'm looking up uh, uh, the Great Pyramid for, for a lot of pyramidology fans. The uh, the size of the sarcophagus, the inner size of the sarcophagus in the Great Pyramid, which is in the King's Chamber, is the same size as the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> okay? As if it was designed, the Ark of the Covenant was designed to fit in there. Okay? All right, so... Uh, 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 okay, so uh, I'm not finding a, a link on that, but a lot of pyramidologists... Uh, have talked about this and uh, shown that the Ark of the Covenant is exactly the same size as the sarcophagus. And, of course, we know that the Great Pyramid and our people have been linked. Of course, you know uh, we, the Egyptians were our kinsmen at one time, and uh, you know, the uh, directions of the Israelites to go in and out of Egypt, even uh, Yahshua as a child was taken to Egypt for protection, Right. So the connection between Egypt and our people is still great. You know, uh, and uh, Yahshua said, "I am the capstone that the builders rejected," right? Okay? Or mm-hmm. I think it's the exact exact word is cornerstone. So which indicates, well, maybe when he returns there will be a golden capstone. The great pyramid is the only one that lacks a capstone. Okay? It's got a flat top unlike the other pyramids. So, uh so we anticipate that day, and maybe when he returns, uh, the crowning, <laughs> the crowning of the cap of the great pyramid will inaugurate the, new, the kingdom. That's a, a day worth waiting for, folks. All right. Okay, brother. All good, right. Good show. All right. We'll, we'll pick, pick it yeah. up
1: with chapter twenty-seven next week.
0: Very good. All right, folks. That's today's show. Uh, hope you learned something. We certainly lo- learned a lot of things today, and uh, we keep on learning by re- rereading. The scriptures. Yep. Thank you, brother. No doubt. Thank okay. you. Okay. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.